Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Hi everybody, thank you for tuning into the podcast today. In this episode I interview Natalie. Natalie planned a home birth with Charlie which ended up in a hospital transfer due to reduced fetal heart rate and she then went on to deliver her daughter Stella at home. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and as usual please feel free to get in touch via email or social media and yeah let me know what you enjoyed about the show or what you'd like to hear more of and I'll let Natalie share her story with you now. Welcome Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family, maybe whereabouts you're living at the moment? In my family, I have myself, my husband Oliver, my two kids Charlie and Stella. Charlie is four and Stella is 14 months. We are both actors. We have an acting studio in Sydney and now here in Perth. When Charlie was about 18 months, we moved back to Perth just for a more slow and relaxed lifestyle and to be close to family. Um, I also have a degree in Japanese and journalism, which I have never really used. So when, what was the decision like for you to start a family? Was that a planned thing or? Um, so it's an interesting one. So my journey really started with home birth when I first got off the pill when I was, oh, I don't know how old, maybe like 25 or something. And I started, I read the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I don't know if you've read that book. Um, it's an amazing book. Um, if you're either trying to avoid or try to plan a pregnancy at that stage I was trying to avoid a pregnancy I got into this thing called the lady comp also a really great device um, which kind of takes your temperature um, and tells you when you're fertile or not and so I did all that and I used that for you know quite a few years but then I guess because I was more in tune with my body I started thinking about having kids and we started talking about it um and then we got engaged to be married I think we're together was it five or seven years before we got married I'm not sure um we decided to have sex on a red light was not planning to fall pregnant red lights when you're not allowed to have (laughs) sex but I didn't even I can't even say that I consciously chose this but I obviously did because oh the other odd thing was I'd started joining all these home birth groups even though I said oh just wait till you know we get married to uh, start trying I'd started already in preparation joining all these home birth groups and then I was like hang on what am I doing I'm not ready to have kids so I'd like delete them all <laughs> anyway so I had sex on the red light for the first time and yeah straight away the first time I've ever had sex on a red light I got pregnant woohoo and I was like oh shit <laughs> um, because three months away my grandmother had made my dress um, so I had to get my dress taken out. I was only like, yeah, a few months pregnant, maybe three months pregnant when I got married. So it was, yeah, pretty mind blowing, even though, yeah, it was this weird dichotomy of obviously me unconsciously really wanting it and my body really wanting it, but my mind saying, no, no, you should wait. But yeah, so it was definitely a surprise the first time I fell pregnant. How did you feel when you found out? Overwhelmed for sure. Uh, I was like, oh, wow, just thinking, yeah. I mean, it's so funny in retrospect. Like, I was so worried about the wedding and the dress. and But also yeah, really happy because I think that's 
No, ultimately what I wanted, I think I was flailing around in life a little bit. I was getting to this point where I didn't know what I wanted. I wanted to do acting, but um, yeah, I don't know. There was the part of me that needed to be fulfilled and definitely mothering and motherhood has done that for me. A lot of people say um, motherhood, you can lose yourself, but I think I've kind of found myself in motherhood. So you mentioned before that you were already interested in home birth and you'd started joining Facebook groups. How how did that come about for you and were you sure that that was the path that you wanted to go down? I was just so sure. I don't know why because the odd thing was that I didn't know anyone who had had a home birth. I guess I was very naturally minded. Um, I'd watched a few documentaries, but I think just kind of starting to come become in tune with my body with the whole uh charting my fertility and things I started to really trust my body and so it made sense that I didn't need a hospital to tell me or to facilitate my birth and that I could do that myself at home um so yeah it was always set for me that I would have a home birth and I think the other funny thing is, which I didn't really think about at the time, my mother was actually a home birth in the UK um, back in the 60s. So my grandmother had had one home birth with my mum, so not with her first but with her second. She's got five kids. Yeah. What type of care did you end up going with? Did you find private midwives or a doula? Yeah. Or? Um, so what I did first with Charlie, so I yeah, I'd already been looking on the Facebook like I said before I fell pregnant and I just kind of yeah looked for recommendations because I was in Sydney at the time and I got a list of all the midwives and then I I know you're supposed to interview all different midwives but I kind of could see from their website emailed a few and what they wrote back to me if I connected with them there was no publicly funded home birth program at that stage in Sydney I do believe there is one now I mean there were a few but not where I was living I was living in Leichhardt and so I contacted a lady called Joe Hunter and I had like a hour conversation ranting together about, you know, um, home birth and women's rights. And yeah, she was very woman centered and yeah, very beautiful. Yeah. So I sought her out and she became my midwife. And did she work in conjunction with a second midwife at that time or was it just No, her? that was just before all those laws changed. <laughs> I can't remember. The laws were about to change, but if there was a second midwife, I never met her. But, yeah, yeah I'm pretty okay. sure it hadn't changed. I think it was literally changing in, within a few months of me giving birth. So it was just your husband and the midwife that made up your birth team? Uh, no, and my mum. So my mum flew over from Perth. So I had been there for my last two births of my brother, so there's five of us. They were both hospital births, but natural births in hospital. Um, and, yeah, I think maybe in some regards I had a false sense of security because I'd seen my mum birth her fourth and fifth child and she was so cool, calm and collected. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, this will be um, not easy, but I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be, you know, really chill. And then, um, yeah, it wasn't that I wasn't chill, but. Yeah, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, so how was sort of the first part of your pregnancy? Did you have any morning sickness or symptoms yeah. or anything happen during yeah. your pregnancy? 
Yeah, so I was had horrendous morning sickness with my first, with Charlie. Um, I think, and this will probably offend some people, but I do think morning sickness can be a lot to do with not listening to your body and not taking time to rest. I'm not saying that it's um, in your head. I'm saying that, you know, when you smell this, you know, you obviously have heightened sense of smell, but if you don't actually honour that and kind of allow that to be, allow yourself to slow down, then you're going to start feeling sick because your body's like, you need to stop. And I didn't stop. I was working. um, I was working as Captain Starlight for the Starlight Children's Foundation. So I was running, you know, to the train, going out to Westmead every day from the city. Um, I was also running our own business, um, the acting studio, the hub studio in Chippendale in Sydney. Um, I was planning a wedding. I was just stressed to the max. I was not expecting the pregnancy. And, yeah, I did stuff like drive 11 hours to Byron Bay, um, vomiting all the way. Like, yeah, it was not fun. But I didn't happen in wow. my second pregnancy, so I'll tell you about that after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Um, awesome. And so what did your antenatal care look like with your midwife? I had a real hard time getting referred to um, referred for an ultrasound. So I went to one doctor. I was like, no, 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 I would not allow you to do this. I am not referring you for an ultrasound. <laughs> Came out in tears. And um, yeah, I was pretty, pretty annoyed about that. And then I called another, I think I went on Facebook and was like, who is a good doctor to go to that will actually refer me? And there was some other holistic inverted commas medical center in Surrey Hills. I called them up and like, they were like, oh, no, I'm not willing to refer you. <laughs> so then I went to another one and just lied to them and said I was having like a private midwife in hospital I just need an ultrasound and then she referred me. <laughs> I was going to have the ultrasound and I flew to Perth for my wedding and then I was flying back and then I was only having a day in Sydney when that was like the day that I needed the ultrasound before I flew out to Japan and Korea for my honeymoon the flight got redirected to Melbourne because of the thunderstorms. And so then the day I was supposed to have the ultrasound, I missed. Um, And so then I ended up not having it. And so then I flew to Japan and that whole holiday, my husband and I had fights about whether we'd have an ultrasound or not. Um, Because I'd read, I don't know if you've read Sarah Buckley's book. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And she got me thinking about ultrasounds. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think one ultrasound is going to, you know, do a great deal of harm. And like I said, I was flying on planes, so there's radiation from that. Um, but it wasn't even so much the radiation. It was the i. It was the idea of not trusting my body again, needing a medical device to tell me that everything is okay. Um, and what from what I understand and I believe that there's not a great deal that the ultrasound is going to tell me that will change my birth outcome I mean obviously if your baby has got some kind of heart defect that would dictate your birth outcome or you had you know the placenta near the opening of the cervix but they were really the only two things that I felt could be dangerous and I was willing to take that risk um See, I mean, I had friends who were told that their baby was potentially Down syndrome, worried a whole pregnancy, a baby's born and the baby's not Down syndrome. Mm. And if my baby was Down syndrome for me, and I'm pro-choice, so, um, you know, if you want to have an abortion, great. But I was never going to make that 
decision. I would never abort my child because of that. Um, yeah, so that was the reason I didn't have ultrasounds. And then I decided not to have any Doppler after that first Doppler and just used the fetoscope, which is great. So, yeah, really minimal medical intervention during the pregnancy. And after the morning sickness, it was really such an easy pregnancy. So did you have many appointments with your midwife and yeah. um, did she come to your home for those? Yeah, yeah. She always came to my house. We had lots of appointments. Yeah, she was so beautiful, a lot of chatting. Yeah, a lot of support. I mean, obviously she did stuff like fundal height and blood pressure and things like that. Everything, I did some blood tests. Everything was, you know, obviously pretty normal. I was pretty, I don't know, how old was I, 28, 29, I think. I was very healthy, um, ate well. Yeah, there was nothing really to worry about the whole pregnancy. Reflux, that was horrible at the end, but that's about it. And did you choose to do any sort of birth education or other preparation as well? Yeah, mainly reading books. I didn't, I looked at some birth courses and maybe I should have done them in retrospect because it was my first. Maybe I was a little bit cocky, I don't know. Um, But I did feel like I had the opportunity to talk with my midwife and I, I did speak to a lot of people that had home, had home birth. So I joined the home birth group for Sydney's Inner West. So I was like, I'm like a research maniac. I would, you know, with books and, you know, internet and whatever, but also meeting people and asking a lot of people their birth stories so I could hear, um, you know, different people's experiences as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's such a, yeah, that's, I was so blessed to have my baby recently and have access to different podcasts and online Mm. resources for that because it just made it so, so easy and accessible. So yeah, maybe we'll just um, head into sort of when your labour began. What were some of the beginning signs of it starting or? I got to 42 weeks. (laughs) I, my midwife was like, you're going to have to go in to see the hospital on Monday if you don't have this baby by the weekend. This was Friday and I'm I'm not going into the hospital. As you may have noticed, I'm a little (laughs) (laughs) anti-hospital. And I didn't want to go in and them to just put fear into me because I intuitively knew everything was fine. Anyway, I think I was waiting for my husband to finish work because he had this (laughs) very ironic... um, mcdonald's ad that he was filming you know all healthy living and he's filming a mcdonald's ad but it was like worth 10 grand or something so um you know i was like he has to be able to finish this and then he can come home we'll have the baby so he finished that at like 3 a.m and literally i started feeling i felt nothing before that i didn't even feel braxton hicks or anything i don't know maybe i did they say you do have them but you don't notice them the first time um yeah, and so I went in, started feeling some niggles around 3 a.m. as soon as he texted me saying, yeah, I'm coming home. I thought, okay. And then I kept on kind of, he got home, went to bed, and I was feeling something on and off. And then I woke up at 6, but nothing was really happening. Um, I got up and had breakfast, and then my mum was like, I'm going to go get my hair done around the corner. I was like, okay, great. And then things, that was like maybe 10 he was still sleeping because he'd only got home at three. Was your mum staying with you at that point? Yeah, yeah, she was staying with me. She'd been there two weeks already because obviously I was two weeks over my due date, inverted commas. So we'd been having a great time going to high tea and kind of <laughs> massages and things. Yeah, so mum was there. And so she 
went off to get her hair done and then maybe around 12 things really started to amp up and I was like, I need to call her and tell her to come back. She didn't answer her phone. And then I got Oliver to call the actual hairdresser and she like came running it. But we went out the front to meet her and then managed to lock ourselves outside. <laughs> and so then my husband had to like climb over the fence. The back door was open. It was all right. Yeah, things just really, yeah, started fairly quickly. And I was like, okay, let's get the birth pool. I was obsessed with the birth pool. Um, I was in the shower. For, oh, I think the main thing that I really knew labor had started, I vomited up my breakfast. I'm a bit of a like vomity kind of person. If I ever feel sick, I vomit and then I was like okay here we go at what point did you call the midwife had you already done oh, not that yet. No, no, no. No. Uh, this is still early-ish um I was I remember like I think I was doing my this is so embarrassing doing my makeup because I was having a birth <laughs> photographer and I was like oh yeah you know I'll do my makeup and then I was like what am I doing I can't concentrate on doing my makeup because it started picking up I was like Oh, no, and I think I had music, you know, swaying to the music or whatever. Um, yeah, my mum came home. We filled up. Oh, no, we went to – I was in the shower. We went to fill up the birth pool. And I was like, Oliver, can you please pump it up? And he's like, I can't find the uh, birth the pump. And I was like, it's in the washing basket in the front room where I'd, like, pull the supplies. He's like, it's not there. It's not there. I was like, it's there. I was just, like, so angry, but I couldn't really say much because I was in labor. <laughs> in my head, I'm just like, find it. And he couldn't find it, so he called my midwife, and she was in the Blue Mountains. She lives in the Blue Mountains, so, like, an hour from me. She's like, I'll just come, and I'll stay around the corner at my relative's house and just call me when you need me, but I'll bring the pump for you. Anyway, she brought the pump, blew it up, and I got in the pool. And that was probably my first mistake because I got in the pool really early on. And... You know, it's all retrospect, right? It's your first baby. I was in the pool and, you know, it was actually quite relaxing. And I think that was, yeah, a bit of a mistake because what I feel like I've learned from my second birth that I was really passive in the water. I was kind of just floating around and letting it happen to me. And um, maybe I read a lot of like, you don't need to do anything and, you know, just let it happen and let your body go. But I think what was actually happening is I was just like really relaxed and slowly, 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 slowly. And so I was there for, I don't know how many hours, but labor was only like seven or eight hours, maybe seven and a half for the first, which is fairly fast for a first, I believe. Jerusha, the photographer, videographer arrived. And again, the verdict's out for me about photography at birth. In retrospect, I wouldn't have done it again with my first baby she was like a fly on the wall she's the most beautiful person and I don't know if it's because I'm an actor or what but I unconsciously knew she was there and I don't think I liked the idea of being watched even though she didn't do anything wrong yeah because (laughs) then what happened is oh so she's using the Doppler and labor my midwife and she says um his heart rate's gone down love if it doesn't come back on the next um, contraction we're gonna have to transfer to hospital <laughs> and I'm just like what that is like I had not even entertained this idea I never had a hospital appointment I had not packed a hospital bag not that you need to in retrospect anyone that um I don't know people always like what do you pack in your hospital bag you don't need anything you just go um and so, so she's sorry to yeah. butt in so were you yeah. in active labor by this point and did you yeah, have pushing, any idea I was at pushing stage okay yeah. okay yeah sorry I was at transition I didn't know that though. 
because I don't know, maybe my midwife had told me, I don't know. I think it's weird with your first because you just don't know, right? Was she letting you know that she had any idea of how far along you were or? It's hard to remember. I don't know. I think, well, obviously I was at the pushing stage because his head was on view. So I knew that, but I couldn't actually, I don't know, like such a crazy time when she said you had to call the ambulance. Oh, because the other thing was I was vomiting with every contractions as soon as I went into transition. Um, yeah, okay. It's just like vomit, 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 vomit. It's like I've never seen anyone vomit their baby out like you did. But I think it probably had a lot of fear, even though I thought I was not fearful of labour at all. I guess I was. And then so she's like got me on my back pushing on the couch and I was like, what are you doing? This is the last way that you should be pushing a baby out. But I guess she went back to her hospital training. I mean, we did try a few other positions before that. Um, yeah, I think sometimes maybe um, I'm not a professional or anything, but I have heard that yeah. sometimes they can, you know, if you get in different positions, if it, if the baby's heart rate is slowing down because yeah. the cord's compressed, a different yes. position might help sort of free yes. that up. Well, yeah, his uh, – it seems that it probably was cord compression. His um, cord was around his neck, which is fairly common again. It's like one in three births or something, I think the stats are. But, yeah, his heart rate was about 90 beats or 80 per minute, which is quite low, and it wasn't coming back up after the contraction. Um, so then, yeah, all hell broke loose. Ambulance is there. Ambulance officer is there in my house. Um, and I'm naked, and they've got, like, their backs to me because they're two males going I don't know, they obviously felt awkward. And so then I went into the uh, ambulance was there in like five minutes, so I'm like really close to RPA. Sorry, uh, I'll just add in then. How um, how were you feeling at that time? Did you feel like you had time to sort of process what was going on or was it no. just in shock? I was in absolute shock. I was just thinking, oh, my God, my thoughts weren't between, oh, my God, oh, my God, please don't let my baby die and, oh, my God, they're going to go take me in for a C-section. Like that was my worst nightmare. And, I, and also, oh, everyone that told me I shouldn't have had a home birth is going to be saying, I told you so, I told you so. I had a lot of that from different people. Mm-hmm. And so got in the ambulance and there was a big argument. They wanted me to lay down on the bed and be strapped in. I didn't want to lay down because I just wanted to keep his head's coming out, right, his head's on view. Um, oh, and I'd broken my own waters as well. So his waters were bulging out first and I said to my midwife, oh, should I just break them? because maybe that will make him come because his heart rate's low. I don't know. I had this idea that maybe I'd break them and it would drop. She said, it's up to you. It doesn't matter at this stage, right? His head's about to come out. And so I I broke them. That didn't make any difference. Um, And, yeah, it was just getting frantic because obviously an ambulance is being called. And then we got to the hospital and I got to the hospital and then everything seemed way less urgent. And I was like, oh, this isn't as serious as I thought it was. After talking to my midwife, she's like, oh, no, love, I never thought you were going for a C-section. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then there was a big argument because they wanted to vacuum him out and I didn't want them to vacuum him out because a friend had had that happen and I, she had a big hematoma on the baby's head. I didn't want that to happen. I also knew I could do it. They wanted to give me a episiotomy. I had a big argument about that. When you got to the hospital, did they yep. were they checking the baby's heart rate again yep. there? And what was yep. that yep. looking like? Yeah, so interestingly uh, to note, the ambulances don't have Dopplers. <laughs> so that was like, what? Um, but when we got to the hospital, they strapped me up to like the CTG. And yeah, his heart rate was still low, um, but coming up somewhat. Yeah, maybe 
I think, yeah, it was 80 at home, maybe up to 90. And then the doctor came in. Oh, they did an ultrasound, which really pissed me off. I was like, why are you doing an ultrasound right now? This is completely unnecessary. But anyway, they did. They're like, the baby's head down. I was like, thanks for that. I can tell you it's between my legs coming out. And the first doctor we had was not great. I, we had a big argument with her and then they got the senior doctor in and she was much better. Anyway, I ended up consenting to the episiotomy, which I didn't want to, and then I pushed the humor out and I tore right down my episiotomy line as well. And he was born and he was fine. His APGAR was like nine. The annoying thing was that I knew this all along. Even though his heart rate was low, if they just left me at home, guess what, I probably would have had the baby because it was only like 20 minutes later at hospital that I had him. You know, we could have not had that frantic thing and just calmed down and centred ourselves and then had the baby at home. Yeah. Have you discussed with your midwife what sort of what would constitute needing to transfer yeah. and, and kind yeah. of, yeah, under what situation that would be? And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's really good. She was only doing what um, she's trained to do. And, you know, 80 beats per minute is low for a baby's heart rate. And I totally understand that. And it might sound hippy dippy, but I intuitively knew everything was fine because still 20 minutes later, his heart rate staying at that rate, he was still fine. But it's all retrospect, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, did you know Did you know that Charlie was a boy? Uh, I, well, I hadn't had an ultrasound, but I knew. <laughs> I, in labour, I was like, come on, baby boy or girl. <laughs> but I, meant, I knew he was a boy. And I think annoyingly, after I got to the hospital when they did the ultrasound, she was like, oh, it looks like we've got a little boy here. Um, did your husband catch him or was it or was that the doctor Uh, I think the doctor got him and then passed him directly to me because I was on my back on bed and um yeah then I had a natural third stage and that was easy as what was that what was that moment like when you first saw him oh it was beautiful I think I was a bit stunned though I was really in shock from the transfer I was just like, yeah. I was like, wow, it's a baby. It's my baby. (laughs) And, yeah, and he was jumping. He was, like, so alive. It was crazy. He was, like, jumping on my stomach, (laughs) up and down, up and down, up and down. I was like, what are you doing? And I guess, you know, that's him trying to contract my uterus back down as well, which he sure was doing. Um, Did he um, make his way up for a breastfeed in that first hour or so? Yeah, yeah, he I mean, I kind of had this idea about doing the breast crawl thing, but I think I just put him on the boob and, yeah, he drank straight away and it was super easy. Um, And I felt very supported. Like, even though I'd had a transfer, my midwife was great. The photographer, she's also a doula, was really great and supportive. My mum was great. My husband was great. So even though it wasn't the best outcome and a bit of a drama, I did feel really supported. And I had such a great um, postpartum time as well I felt really looked after and loved and yeah zero breastfeeding issues just yeah great I mean the biggest thing was the healing of the episiotomy and I felt really angry about having I don't know I guess you know to a degree because I felt like it was a little bit of forced consent there um so did you have that stitched up while you're still in yeah yeah (laughs) some registrar came in and he's stitching up me up and I was ranting to him it was so funny I was like you know what 
women are amazing. Women do this all around the world every day. Do you know how I just like had this epiphany because I'd never really thought about, well, obviously I had thought about birth, but until you go through it, you don't realise how transformative and amazing it is. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking the other day, it's such a funny combination of being so everyday and most women do it multiple times but then at the same time it's yeah so totally transformative and yeah. um such a big deal to every individual person it's yeah it's it's quite a funny thing it's not really it's nothing like anything else <laughs> yes exactly exactly so yeah my mind was blown and I was just so happy and yeah it was great um even though it wasn't my perfect outcome but I you know always try and <laughs> put a positive spit on it I was like everything happens for a reason and maybe I needed to go and birth in hospital so I could see what people go through you know I'm someone who's super informed I had an amazing birth support team with a midwife my mom my husband and you know photographer doula imagine me having this trouble in hospital and arguing with them when you know someone that doesn't have any of that support what hope have they got you know to get the birth Mm. outcome they want Beautiful. So what were the first couple of days like after birth? Was your mum still staying with you? Yeah, my mum was there for another week or two. Yep, and I just was at home and my midwife came and visited me. Yeah, just my episiotomy was really sore. It was massive and, yeah, horrendous. It's fine now. But, um, yeah, it was a really beautiful time. It's just like this little bubble at home and... Like I said, I had no breastfeeding issues. I had engorgement, which wasn't fun. I had so much milk. But besides, I I mean, look, again, in retrospect, it all seems like, you know, rainbows and lollipops. But, yeah, there were hard times for sure. I remember, yeah, the engorgement and sweating in bed and not being able to roll over and crying in the bath with my episiotomy going, this is so sore. But as a whole, the feeling was I felt really looked after and nourished and... Yeah, it was great. Oh, he was also born on my mother-in-law's birthday. She came into the hospital after a little bit tipsy. She wasn't drunk. Yeah, so it was beautiful and yeah, it was a easy, beautiful time. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward from that, you waited a couple of years and then how were you feeling about how, having another baby? Was that a decision and what, were you sort of anticipating yeah. that with a bit of fear or...? No, no. Um, I... The research queen I was, I was like, the best, from the research that I could find, you know, the best gap would be like about three years. And so I was like, I'm going to wait three years. So they're like three years, two months apart. Um, and also I was, so when I arrived in Perth, my son was 18 months. And the first thing I did was like seek out private midwives in Perth. And so I would go to the midwife centre and I just, yeah, chatted to a whole heap. And then I really clicked with one in particular. And I was like, okay, that's my lady. That's who I'm going to when I fall pregnant. And then I still hadn't got my period back because I was breastfeeding on demand. I think I got it back when he was 27 months. Yeah, something like that. So over two years. Did you have to wean Charlie to be able to get that back or was he still feeding? He fed throughout the pregnancy and still after, but it was very, very reduced. Um, Yeah. And so I decided that, yeah, we'd have another baby. And then I think the first two months I didn't fall pregnant. Maybe the first month I didn't even have sex in the fertile period. Second month I did, and then the third month I fell pregnant. And so as soon as I fell pregnant, I was like, I called up 
this midwife and I was like hey um I'm pregnant can you be my midwife and she was like yeah sure um let's come over and discuss it sorry so was she yeah, part of uh, you said she was in a midwifery group so it was a bit uh, different no. to the time before no it's no. not a group okay. it was just like where the midwives met there's a midwife center where they come and just chat and you can go and meet all the different midwives but they weren't as a, a center either she was just independent midwife okay yeah sure so I went and met her oh she came over and we'd been talking a lot about like in the, before I was pregnant about free birth and all this stuff and she didn't have kids she said if I ever had kids she'd have a free birth and I was like cool that's what I would do as well but as soon as I fell pregnant I was like can you be my midwife which is kind of ironic <laughs> and then we oh and then I said oh you know but I don't want bloods I don't want ultrasound I don't want Doppler she's like all right okay well you're probably going to have to have some of those things and I was like oh but why <laughs> I know you don't necessarily believe in them but I get that you're a registered midwife and you have to do those things and so she came and sat down with us and she at my house with my husband and she goes so every time I see a client she's a bit spiritual I pull a card and I was like okay she's like yes yeah, so I pulled a card and the card says that yeah maybe we're not right for each other and something's not right here and I was like oh okay uh, right <laughs> this is awkward <laughs> And so I was like, right. And then she's so beautiful. Like, she's a friend. And I was thinking, does she not like me? Like, what is this? And then we got talking. She's like, you've talked about free birth. How do you feel about that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess that is what I want to do. And Oliver, how do you feel about that? He's like, oh, I don't know. Shit. Um, <laughs> um, and she's like, okay, well, I'll leave you guys with that. I'm not saying I won't be your midwife, maybe interview some other people think about the free birth that you had told me about. I was like, okay. And so I sat with it for two weeks and then I was like, yeah, I think that's actually what I want to do. I want a free birth because I don't like being told what to do. I want to take 100% responsibility for my body um, and my baby. And so I just started on that, that uh, plan and so I had, yeah, it was the easiest pregnancy. I decided I wasn't going to have morning sickness. So I really honored my body. If I ever felt a bit off, I would really slow down and take time. I mean, obviously that's hard with a little one as well, but I did that as much as I could. I lied to everybody and told them I was having a midwife because I knew everyone would freak out, even my home birth friends, because I just knew they would not be on the same page as me. Did you have any kind of other care that you sought after besides no. obviously the way you're taking care of yourself? No, I didn't do anything. I think I had a pregnancy massage, maybe two or three with this midwife. She also does pregnancy massage. That is it. I did never saw it. As far as the state con was concerned, I was not pregnant. I'd never done a blood test, never did anything. And it made for the easiest pregnancy because I didn't have anyone telling me what to do or worrying me or, you know, all that drama with the ultrasound being referred to, all that. It was just like, I trust my body. I know what I'm doing. And it was, yeah, a really easy pregnancy. Were you um, planning to have your mum there again? I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Um, I she So we're living on the same street now, so I thought I'll just call her up if <laughs> I need to. Was she and aware then, that you were having a free birth? Yeah, was, she was one of the only yeah. people I told. <laughs> she was like, oh, right. And then she swore. She's like, <laughs> uh, not in a nasty way. She was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> 
okay but she you know it's my choice and then my husband wanted to do all this kind of training in case anything went wrong but the further I got along I was really against that and I couldn't quite put a finger on it but I just felt like I didn't again need my husband to tell me what to do or whatever and so we didn't do anything like I'd done the thorough research myself I got a bit obsessed with birth like yeah just kept listening to thousands of podcasts and I, I did know someone that had free birthed in Sydney, so I called her and spoke to her in detail about her free births. And then there was another lady that I'd spoken to about her free birth, which she transferred with. Yeah, I just spoke to as many people as I could and their experiences and just tried to take from that. And I did a lot of law of attraction work and positive mindset. Then I went to 40 weeks plus 10 days and I went into labour then. And, yeah, I was just like, I'm going to – I had had a really great friendship group. They did the beautiful blessing way for me and they all committed to cooking me meals for six weeks, which was amazing. Um, and so I felt just really supported even though people didn't know my plans. <laughs> um, just curious, how were you feeling about the possibility of having to transfer with without having midwifery care at home, yeah. were you feeling more like you would transfer a little bit earlier than you would if you'd had care mm, or still no. pretty anti-transfer? I just care? didn't think – I tried to not put it in my head. Like I did try and well, – I did clock like how long it would take me to get to the hospital, I think about 15 minutes. But I just knew I would know if I needed to transfer mm. and I just didn't. And I know that might sound hippy-dippy but I just – was so in tune with my body that I was like, yeah, everything is great, everything is perfect. And I'd had all that training in my pregnancy with no one interfering, so I just really knew that everything was okay. Had you had a birth pool for this birth as well? No. So I decided not to have a birth pool because I think that was my mistake the first time because I got really lazy in it, so I didn't want a birth pool. And so I just walked around and it was heaps easier. I felt so much more grounded and it was heaps. I mean, a second birth's always shorter, but um, not always, but most of the time. So I didn't have the birth pool, and so I what, just yeah. <laughs> no, that's all right. So what was it? What were some early signs of the labour starting? And okay, so that week I'd had kind of like niggles every night. I went to bed, but it wasn't labour at all. And then I'd been out helping my brother set up an Airbnb and moving furniture around. He was like, "Nat, you're making me nervous. Stop." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I went to a friend's house um, just for a cuppa and then I kind of le- lost some kind of mucus plug but it wasn't really like a bloody show but the mucus plug was there and so I was like, oh, okay, maybe something will happen. I went to dinner at my parents. I live a very social life. Like I said, I have four brothers and heaps of family. Went there with heaps of people for dinner. I was getting angsty, actually. I was like, Oliver, it's time to go home. I wasn't in labour. I was like, we need to go home. We need to go home. So I got home. Oh, and my little boy had hurt his shoulder that day. So he was in a bit of pain. He was fine. But um, he went to bed. We put him to bed. We all went to bed. And then about 10, I woke up to my waters breaking. So that was weird because that never happened the first time. And so I got up, I didn't wake my husband up and I'm walking around the house and I'm like, this is hilarious. I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, my waters are breaking and it's just going everywhere. This is really funny. Um, And then I went and woke my husband up and was like, Ollie, you've got to get up. I think I'm in labour. Let's set the house up. Um, We put all candles on and just sheets down. And I was like, you know, this could be nothing. It could just go into nothing, but 
it didn't. So then 11 o'clock, maybe it started amping up. And then I was just really committed to, like, I had tunnel vision. I was like, yep, I'm going to birth this baby. And so I just walk around the house and like do a lot of movement down on my hands and knees up. I'd go inside, outside. Yeah, just walking. I mean, I'm not running or anything, but just keeping really physical in the labor. And then I would look up at the moon. I had an obsession with the moon because she was conceived on the full moon. And I was like, she's going to, and she was due on the full moon. And then the full moon came and went. She was like, yeah, nearly two weeks later. So I went outside. I was like, where's the moon? No moon. <laughs> no moon anywhere. Um, I could only see stars. Um, and so I called her Stella in the end because it means star, which is cute, right? <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And we came in. And, oh, halfway through the labour, my son woke up and I was like, oh, no, this is where it all derails. And he was crying because he had a sore shoulder and he had aching legs, I guess, you know, like that growing pains that you get. And he wanted me to have a bath with him because he always has a bath when he has aching legs. And I was like, oh, my God. The last thing I want to do is get in the water. And I was like, I'm just going to do it because I just want him to stop crying. And I got in and Ollie's like, do you want me to call your mum? I was like, yes. So she came up in a few minutes and then they swapped out. Mum was really good. She's like, okay. She kept asking me all these questions. UK, do you want water? Do you want this? I was like, no, no, no. Um, and then I was singing to my baby, doing a lot of vocal toning stuff. And then, yeah, I went into transition and a few minutes later, I guess, she was born. I was, like, feeling where her head was. Uh, I could feel it. And it was quite high up. But then within a few minutes, she, like, literally flew down the birth canal there was were one you point vomiting? Where I, Sorry, were no, you vomiting this time as well? No, no just once. I vomited once. Um, I was like, don't let that happen again, Natalie, because I knew it's a state of mind. I could just get into it and freak out because I was like, yeah, I have to be really focused because guess what? I'm the only one that can birth this baby. There's no one else. There's no backup, right? And so, yeah, she was just born in a few pushes. I was kind of like semi-squatting, I think, maybe with one leg up, and I caught her myself. I think I was, yeah, making a lot of noise. My son was kind of freaked out. A lot of people say kids should be at birth, and I'm not saying they shouldn't. I think I'd have him there again, but it wasn't all rainbows and lollipops with him. He was really not so much freaked out about the birth because we'd watched lots of birth videos together, but he was freaked out about having a sister. He didn't want anyone to replace him. He was like, apparently he said to my mum, put it back. He didn't want a baby. Mm. <laughs> that can be such a hard transition. Yeah, it was for him. Yeah, and then it was just went and laid on the couch and then... So you pulled her, sorry, I'll just go back yeah. a little bit. So you pulled her up, um, did you, you picked her up and caught her yourself and yep. the placenta was still attached at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that came, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later. Oh, um, wow, that's, that's really fast. It was the same with my first, I think maybe 15, I don't know, give or take. Yeah, I've never had an issue with my third stage. And then had a bowl for that and then we had a cord tie and Charlie, my little one, was going to cut it and he was too freaked out to cut it. So mm -hmm. My husband did that and then we sat on the couch and ate bagels <laughs> and then my dad came up and we all, yeah, just sat there. It was, oh, and then I weighed her. I had bought like scales of gum tree or something. Yeah. Um, and she was exactly the same size as my son. I think she's like 3.8. Um, yeah. He was 3.8 too. Yeah, it was just easy. And then everyone went to bed. I couldn't sleep though. I was like 
pumped because I'd just given birth. <laughs> yeah, so fast as well. Did you did you have any tearing in that birth? Yes, yeah, 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 I did. So I tore down my episiotomy line and, yeah, that was sore. And I chose not to get it stitched up and heal naturally. Um, it's not perfect, but it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, but it hasn't, like, healed back directly together. Um but I'm not too fussed with that. It's only cosmetic. I had my midwife friend look at it and she was like, yeah, it's totally fine. It's only cosmetic that it doesn't look perfect anymore. But guess what? I've had babies. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And how was, how was the healing with the natural tear as opposed to the episiotomy? The episiotomy. Um, yeah, it was heaps easier. It was still sore, though. It was still sore. I think, yeah, the episiotomy really screwed me over because of all this scar tissue there because it was a pretty big episiotomy. But, yeah, it was fine. It was way better, I think. It was fine. And, yeah, now it's totally fine. So how did your breastfeeding journey with Stella go? Oh, yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was super simple. Um, and you mentioned you were tandem feeding for a little while. How long did that go on for? Uh, I don't know. I was really strict. Like, it was tandem feeding, but it wasn't, like, on-demand tandem feeding by any means, I think. I would give him three seconds. I don't know. The, the jury's still out for me on tandem feeding. I don't know what the best way to do it is. Probably wean in pregnancy, but I just found it really hard because he needed me so much. He was just not ready. And then, yeah, maybe I should have waited another year. He was just not emotionally ready for a sibling. <laughs> but then maybe mm. that's they're never ready, sort of like you're never ready to have a baby and you've just got to tear the Band-Aid off, right? But, yeah, tandem mm. feeding, it's fine. I guess it was good for immunity. That was one of the reasons I wanted to keep it up. I thought even though he's not having much, it's good for his immunity and comfort. But I think what ended up happening during my pregnancy, and I pretty much weaned him except for this three-second rule that I used to let him do, um, I just started becoming a person I didn't like and I would get angry at him when he would feed and I don't think that was fair on him. So I mm. had to, yeah, pretty much wean him but not really <laughs> contradicting myself there, aren't I? Yeah. Um, how old was he when he had his last feed or you don't really remember? Uh, about four, yeah. Okay. He's yeah. about four. Uh, he's four and a half now. Yeah, I think there is a breaking up. I think when you have another child, there's a breaking up. I think it's really sad. It's um, when she was born, I remember the first few nights because we all co-sleep. And he had to go to my husband, you know, on the other side and he wanted me to walk him to the toilet in the night and I said, no, I can't. And he just sat on the end of the bed crying with tears in his eyes saying, Mom, please come with me, please. I said, I just can't. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to come now. I'm sorry. I need to look after the baby. And obviously I was fiercely protective of my newborn. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's no easy way. But, yeah, has it changed since we weaned? I don't think so. I mean, it was so gradual and slow. I don't know. I did a lot of research on that as well and what different cultures do. A lot of cultures just rip the Band-Aid off and do it really fast. Maybe there's some validity in that. I don't know. I don't know about slowly weaning either. Maybe I'll try that next time <laughs> if I have yeah. more. <laughs> you think you might have another baby? I could be happy with two because I got the birth that I wanted the second time around, I just feel so satisfied. I could be really content with that. But never say never. I don't know. Sure. My husband wants more. And, yeah, I'm open to it. So we'll see. I don't have my period yet. 
Is there anything that you would change or do differently if you were to have another baby? Um, I think when I was in the pushing phase with Stella, because Charlie had been stuck, inverted commas, um, like when he had that cord compression and the low heart rate, I was really paranoid to push really fast because uh, I didn't want her to get stuck. I was like, okay, I have to get her out fast. So maybe I would allow that a little bit more the next time to be a bit of a, not even slower, but kind of let my body ease into it a bit. I was maybe a bit forceful and I think that's maybe why I tore. Mm. Or maybe I tore because that tissue was weak from the episiotomy, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, not a lot. I wouldn't change much. I think my big takeaways from that birth is just keep it simple. I think that sometimes like with any birth, if it's hospital or home birth, there's like a big list of things you have to do. Like like there's always like this little checklist where I didn't have to do any of that. It was just really simple, straightforward. I think my birth could even be faster. Like after that birth, I think you could have a baby in like an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes. I don't know. How long was Stella's birth? About three hours. I think like I went into active labour at about 11. I think I woke up at 10, but waters were breaking, but active labour didn't start to 11 and she's born at 2.08. It was fairly yeah. fast, Very but I reckon fast. it could be faster. Mm. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing today. It was, yeah, such a fascinating story and, yeah, really nice for me to hear um, just having one baby about the transition to two and, yeah, yeah thank you so much. No worries. <laughs>